I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is a danger in creating an environment where feedback is anonymous and therefore the person who is giving it is not accountable for either their opinion and the impact that it has on a person. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley. I am a HR professional. Hello, Em. Hey, Shell. And that's right. I'm Emily Bowen and I work with Forsyth's Recruitment and HR. On today's episode, we are talking with Rowan Dredge. He is going to help us answer the question, how promotable am I? Rowan works as a consultant with leaders, CEOs, communicators, businesses, and he helps them to grow and develop and increase in their effectiveness. Thanks goes to Newcastle Permanent for supporting this season of My Millennial Career. Why settle when you can stand out? Head over to newcastlepermanent.com.au for banking that's a little bit different. Hey, Ro. Hey, hey, how are you going? We are good. It's so good to have you. Now, you are a friend of the My Millennial world. Yeah, that's right. It's not your first time. No, no, this is my first time on this podcast, though, so I'm really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, you're Thanks moving up me. in the world. That's right. You got a promotion from My Millennial Money to My Millennial Career. Congratulations. And the good thing about that is that today we actually are talking about promotions or as something you like to say, Ro, is about becoming promotable. So I want to dive in because this content is great. I had a chat, have had a couple of chats with you about this and so we're going to just get straight into it. So we are talking about becoming more promotable and I guess from my perspective, we hear a lot in the workplace about getting, a ne- getting that next promotion and that can tend to be the focus point for people of, okay, what's that next step in the career ladder or hierarchy? But when I've chatted to you, Rowan, you seem quite a lot more interested in what it means to be promotable. Why is that? Yeah, I think it's a great question to kick off this conversation. And I think the first thing to say is that there's nothing wrong with people having an ambition around their career progression. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, I'd be strongly encouraging it to particularly people listening to this show. You need to be intentional, you need to be deliberate, and you need to be strategic in many ways about advancing your career. And you also need to be appropriate, integrate, authentic and all the things that go with it. I think the change in the thinking around what I'm suggesting is that we, if we focus on getting a promotion, I think we put the power of that happening into someone else's hands. If we focus on being promotable, we actually take responsibility for who we need to be and what we need to do with that idea. I love what I'm hearing so far because anybody that listens to me uh, sort of blabber on knows that I'm obsessed with this idea of career self-reliance, which is all about 
keeping that ownership with yourself rather than relying on anybody else or thinking that the silver platter service is going to come and find you. Ro, what triggered your interest in this concept though of being promotable as opposed to focusing on seeking a promotion? Yeah, that's a, it's a thought that has its origin in the whole idea of the value of responsibility. So when it comes back to a couple of big ideas that I shape training and development and mentoring around, and one is actually one that came out in the 90s from Stephen Covey, where he talks about this idea of circle of concern and circle of influence. And it's ridiculous that that feels so old to even mention, but the number of times I bring it up with people who've never heard of it before. And essentially it's, is there things going on in my world or the world that I care about? Yes, that circle of concern. What can I do about it? A lot, a little, nothing, that circle of influence. So the seed idea is, as you were saying, curious self-reliance. It's the circle of influence. What can I do about it? But the other is, um, it's really based in the value of personal responsibility. I'm not wandering around asking people for a, for a hand out. I want to wander around and in some way be responsible for distinguishing myself in the marketplace, distinguishing myself in the job market, distinguishing myself at work. I think those are the things that has the, the seed of this idea. If we talk about the word promoted and then the word promotable, that's subtle, but there's this huge mindset shift there. Do you see people in, you obviously consult in lots of different workplaces. Do you see that mindset of being promotable a lot or are you seeing it like not very often? Talk to us a bit about what your observations have been. Okay, I think it's a very limited concept. And, you know, the easy thing is to sort of claim that you've got some kind of divinely great idea. I'm sure someone else is thinking about this as well. But the again, the, the idea behind it is about taking responsibilities. Amy, you're saying career self-reliance, which I think is a much more elegant way of saying what I'm saying. So maybe, maybe you should say more about uh, the ideas that we're talking about. And at the same time, I see it not happening in two ways. One, I, I see it not happening necessarily from the individual out. But I also see it not happening from the organization in. And I think, again, it's all about focusing on what you and I can control, what you and I can influence, what you and I can do something about. And an organization that I think is taking a, an agile or a broad-minded approach to the job market now is actually saying, we know we don't have you forever. We've got you here on this team for a period of time. What we'd actually like to do is stretch you, develop you and send you on to the next idea, the next opportunity, the next experience better than how we found you. I think that's another one of my values, leave things better than how you find it. On that, if we look at average tenure being around, I don't know, three years? Thereabouts, yeah. So three years at one one business and, and you might have multiple roles in that time but how does expectation play into this, Rowan? Because one of the things we hear a lot about is this sentiment that, you know, your, your younger workforce, so your millennials, your Gen Zs, have this kind of entitlement mentality of, you know, I come in and I want to be and expect to be promoted within a certain time frame. 
What's your take on that whole entitlement concept? <laughs> it's such a tricky one. It feels like a minefield to even comment on. It does. So I, I will say this. I actually think that the entitlement mentality is a label that's been given to emerging generations by succeeding ones. And it's a way for – because I, I'm Gen X and so it's it's a way for us to be able to describe something that perhaps we don't like or perhaps we wish was different. But it just is. Now – the bottom line is I don't think entitlement is a particularly is particularly owned by a demographic. I think it's owned by people. I see yes, 100%. I, I see entitled people trying to park their car at Christmas. I see <laughs> I, I see I see entitled people standing in front of you in the coffee line. Like it's not it's a human issue as opposed to a partic- I think particularly a demographic issue. But it also pick up the idea that leadership is about what we allow, is about what we walk past. So if we actually walk past a mindset that's knocking on the door saying, I want your job, how do I get in your seat? And not actually tackling or taking on that energy and then using that to stretch that individual. For example, my sister-in-law is a teacher in a fairly prestigious private school and she has somebody who has essentially said, I I want your job. And she's got a number of years to go before she has that opportunity, but she's capable of it. And so my sister-in-law has already started the conversation about what it is that she needs to be doing and learning and banking in terms of her experience and her opportunities and her way of, of, of thinking and being in that environment. So she's actually the person of choice, which is all about what promotable's about. Can you just talk a little bit more to the role of a leader in someone being promotable? So I, as I've put out there, I'm all for the ownership resting with the person first and foremost that is seeking to be promotable but there's got to be the role of a leader at play in there somewhere what does that look like in your mind the first thing i think is is the beautiful imagery of a of a, a narrative a great narrative always has a guide that walks with the hero of the story yes it's like obi-wan you know do you know star wars well, yeah you like you won't get me, me excited <laughs> okay <laughs> But yes, you've got the guide. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, well, I see. I'm all. I'm all there with Star Wars. So, <laughs> it's it's the hero always has the guide, and I think again, it's reframing. If we're reframing promotion versus promotable, maybe we're reframing the role of the leader as the expert guide, which is how we go to market in the work that we do. We actually say, you are already busy in your role. You're already full at work. We actually get to be the expert guide that creates the hero of your stories. So to answer your question, Em, what this is actually about is inviting the leader into a place where they're quite okay with raising up that next generation. They don't get uptight about the idea of entitlement or the desire for ambition, but they channel it and they guide it and they stretch it and they invest in it and they give people opportunities I got given a leadership opportunity as a 17-year-old and it was never called that. It was an opportunity to organise something and I gave it my best shot and I've been doing that ever since. And did that uh, have that any meaning for you at the time or has it meant more with some hindsight? It's meant way more with hindsight on two levels. Number one, that I actually did it so – 
because someone believed in me at 17, I hadn't even finished school, I gave it a go and it went okay. Secondly, it actually meant more as a model, which is what we're talking about here. Imagine if or imagine when there are leaders in workplaces willing to actually say, I hear you on the ambition. I hear you that you want my job. Let me show you how. Mm. And, and what, if, what if there were less – there was less fear in the workplace and more connection and engagement. And we turned that actually almost into a game. It's interesting because I, I love what you're saying. There's there's a guide, there's someone who's helping you to upskill in the areas that are gaps and they play a really key role. What happens though on the flip side if maybe and, – and Em and I love talking about like the whole concept of horrible bosses. Mm. What happens if you've got a boss and they're not doing that – and how do you then become promotable without that guide? Do you have to look elsewhere for someone? What, what does that mean for you? Yeah. Did you have a comment on that, Em, at all? Oh, no, I'm happy to listen to what you have to say. I'm probably just here going, this is so interesting because so often we do get this feedback from people that go, yeah, yeah, that's great that you talk about that, but I've got a horrible boss or my leader sucks or I've got this issue or even I've got a micromanager. So, you know, and some managers can do a better job at disguising, uh, I guess, you know, being a horrible boss than others. So my brain just started to tick over all of those hurdles, I guess. If you're listening to this conversation and you've got a horrible boss, I just want to say I'm really sorry. Yes. For a start. That's, that's the first thing. And uh, that's not the environment we want for you. And the other thing I will say to you, depending on where you are in your career trajectory, at some point in time, you will every one of us will work for a horrible boss and every one of us will manage a horrible boss. And here's the kicker. Every one of us will be a horrible boss at some point in time. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle Gibbings, one of my colleagues, has written an, a fa- fabulous book called Bad Boss. And so it's worth really understanding. And she talks about those three big ideas. I had this conversation with a millennial friend of mine, colleague of mine, in the last two weeks. And essentially, he he has gone, he cannot find the internal guide, so he's looking for the external guide. So I would say, find it wherever you can and guard against vilifying or weaponizing the environment that you're in. But another piece of advice I would say is that when it's too much, leave. Just move on. And that is also okay. It's what Seth Godin calls, you know, when it's time to quit, right? He just picks up this idea. Sometimes it is not worth continuing with, but look outside and find that guide to help you because there are plenty of people that want to. And I guess that's why being promotable and career self-reliance comes into play because sometimes we get stuck in a business or an organisation that is is either toxic or we have a bad boss we want to get out. So the more we've actually invested in this up front, the better we are positioned to find that next opportunity that's going to be a better environment. And I was starting to think, okay, I can latch onto this concept so easily, but it would be nice to talk about, well, what's in it for somebody? So why, other than getting a promotion, what's the point in worrying about being promotable? What does that do for somebody? Yeah. Because it's a lot of effort. Like I just, we sit here and we can talk about career self-reliance. We can talk about owning your own future and and future-proofing your career, making sure that you're promotable. 
what I, I don't want to have lost on anybody is the fact that it's actually really hard work and you've got to put a lot in. So what's the, what's the return for someone? And some people won't do it and they won't do it and they will then be disappointed for the opportunities that they never sowed mm. for. And they see other people get and it appears like it's happened easily. That's right. So one of my mentors that I never met is a man called Jim Rowan. He passed away in 2009 and he said this and he 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 was a phenomenal individual, broke at 25 and in in his world a millionaire at 31. And he talks about a guide that came along and stood beside him and stretched him, a man called Earl Schof. And he says this, everyone should make it their goal to be a millionaire, not because of what you get, but what you become. And so where this conversation will inspire some people is the people who are actually looking to their future saying, what are the possibilities and how do I become ready for that? Because opportunity is something that favors the prepared. Opportunity is something that says, I can now be well received by you because you've done the work for what's now ahead. And he says, Jim Rohn says, make the commitment to become a millionaire, not because of the money, but because of who you become. Buy a journal that's expensive, not because it's an expensive journal, but because the ideas that you put in there could be rich. So the people that will be inspired by this are the people that actually have that sense of wanting to become. The people that will be less likely to keep tuning into this conversation are the ones who feel like it's too much hard work and it should come to us. And my experience is it doesn't. (laughs) It actually favours the prepared. You've chatted to me before, Rowan, about this concept of or the law of incremental returns which kind of sounds similar to what you're saying of like what you need to be doing to kind of invest up front can you just unpack that a little bit for us yeah the law of incremental returns is all about doing a small number of things consistently over time and you will get the result that 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 brings it works in reverse so for example not exercising, not paying attention to your diet, deciding that the that the the McValue meal needs to go from small to medium to large, and then doing that over time, that will give you a return that you don't want. The other way is a, a sense of discipline over time. I talk to all my clients about three big things and I make it sound like it's incredibly scientific and it's breakthrough piece of research. And then we talk about diet, sleep and exercise. Essentially the three things that will make the biggest impact on your personal life and your professional life for the rest of your life. So the, the, the law of incremental returns is what are the small things, the handful of small things that I need to do consistently over time that will ultimately make me the leader that steps up and stands out. And in my experience, sometimes when we're making those investments, particularly the small or the incremental, we don't necessarily know what the return or the opportunity might be in the future, but we need to trust the process and know that if the opportunity is going to present itself, it's more likely to present itself to you if you're prepared. Uh, or to the person who is prepared as opposed to the person who's not. Well, I'd say I'd go as far to say that just from a philosophical level, if you are not prepared, 
you may not even see the opportunity. Part of the preparation is you just sharpen mm. the ability to see. You ask expert guides for help. You invite the internal mentor, the external mentor. You navigate the highs and the lows. And by doing that, that actually begins to make those small but important deposits. This idea, this promotable idea actually came came as part of a, a palette conversation that I was having in my head because I would often say to people, don't focus on getting married, focus on being marryable because it's way more attractive, okay? You're running around and there's somebody in their 30s who's just really, really wanting to get married. It's actually not that attractive. But if you, you find someone who's focusing on being marryable, then you go, you're taking responsibility. Yeah, wow. It's the same idea. You're running around going, I want that job. I want your job. You need to move out the way. Don't you know how good I am? <laughs> People are going, you're annoying me. Go back to your desk. And that's where we get that sense of we would describe someone as entitled often if they're doing exactly what you've just described. I, that is so good. It's definitely a mindset shift. And Rowan, I think you've really sold us both on the, on why we need to move from the concept of chasing a promotion to becoming promotable. Let's take a break here because we're going to come back in a sec. Practically, what do you need to do to become promotable? Money, property, careers, health, small business. We love learning how to do all of these well so we can live our best life. That's why we've made podcasts focus on a variety of topics. Check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, my Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, Gen Z Money, and You To Me, You To You, You To Us, which is just about sexual and reproductive health. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we're back and we are here to get practical for the second half of this conversation. So Rowan, you've set the scene, you've sold it to us. We want to be promotable. How do we become that? Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, it's a good question and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Surely there are just, you know, three easy steps. <laughs> well, as we said before in the law, like incremental returns, they're, they're steps, but they're not always easy. And I track with this around an infinity loop. And the reason why, and again, there's always good news and bad news, right? The good news is it's doable. The bad news is you never graduate from being promotable. That would be my challenge to people. And if you imagine in an infinity loop right in front of you, essentially, I think there are four big steps. It's mindset, skill set teamwork and network. 
And I think if we make the commitment to never graduate from those four things at whatever level and whatever stage we are in our career, mindset, how am I thinking? Where does it need to be upgraded? Is there anything that's getting in the way? Skill set. In the mid-90s, Warren Bennis and Bert Nannis wrote a book called Leaders and they said the thing that makes the difference between a good leader and a great leader was the ability to learn new skills, to actually be able to do something different. Teamwork is the application of, I think, mindset and skill set because I believe that what you have is not for you. It's actually for the contribution of the greater good or the organization or the business that you're running. So in some ways, I don't own my abilities and skills. I'm a, I'm a steward of them. And then network is really how that gets bigger and broader. How do you actually be the person who gets noticed? And there are some amazing technological platforms for that. There are relationships that you can build. There are, there are environments or groups that you can be part of. But essentially, that's the broad brush idea of it. I, it's interesting hearing those four things. So mindset, skill set, teamwork, network. I'm, I'm just thinking about it in the context of like work and, and the people that I see in the business tend to focus on skill set as the primary thing. Uh, are you seeing there's areas that are more likely to be overlooked and missed in, when you're looking at infinity loop? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same idea as the question that you asked, Em, which is where are the guides who actually have the commitment to the emerging generations in their business to raise them up and to, to equip them to be so good they leave, all right? Because your other alternative is you don't equip them and they're so bad they stay, okay? So there's, there's you know, there, it's that two-sided sense of the coin. And I think the reason why this idea works, at least in my view, is that it actually pulls the camera back a little bit and says, if we just focused on skill sets, we're really interested in you as a commodity. We're interested in you as an ability to deliver. And I don't know anyone under 40 that wants to work for someone that sees them like that. All right. It's just, it isn't in our DNA. It's not something that we value and it's not something that we'd give ourselves to. So by broadening the idea a little bit, I think we introduce a very important part of what's been going on in work life for a long time, which is mindset. It's the emotional health. It's the psychological safety. It's, is this, is the mission and the cause and the meaning of this organization and these people something I want to be part of? I think the idea of teamwork is also really important, Shell, because that is the expression of the development of our capabilities. And we actually do it in context. We do it in situations. The, the brilliant Netflix series, The Coach's Playbook, talks about Doc Rivers and he talks about the, an African idea of Ubuntu, which is I am me because of we. And it's that idea that whatever it is that happens to me is actually because it needs to happen through me. But again, the role of leadership becomes critical here. In what way am I saying, am I see this in you and I want that to be broadened out for the benefit of the whole team? And network is just smart. Network is really just you. It's, it's career insurance. So if we talk about uh, career self-reliance, a network is career insurance. A network is offering to buy someone lunch if they'll spend 45 minutes with you and just talk through 
what's going on in their world and their life. It's being part of a, the, the appropriate kind of network or group. And so I see less of those other three. I wish I saw more. Um, I wish that there was, uh, if I had a wand, as my friend Peter says, I would wave it and see that there are leaders that are hanging on less tightly to their their job and responsibilities and in fact realizing that raising others up and investing in others and releasing them is our job to me as i'm hearing you it's good to uh, dig into those areas a bit deeper it sounds like it starts with mindset though is that your your sense as you're you've kind of worked on this model i guess yeah it is and it is a it is a model and you're right i think if you said to somebody oh where do i get on and if someone said, I've just, I'm really, really good at my job. I'm highly skilled. Yeah, but Dave, no one likes you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, but what do you mean? Well, for, well because you're, you're busy going around telling everyone how good you are and you're not a team player. And uh, so I think it really does come back to the mindset. And again, it's the challenge of Jim Rowan. Set yourself the challenge to become promotable, not because of what you get, but who you become. Set yourself to become the kind of person that would be selected for your boss's role, not because of what you get, but who you become. And so the challenge of mindset is around, is your thinking allowing you the opportunity and allowing you the pathway to contemplate how life leadership, work and career could be different if you adjusted your thinking about certain things in certain areas. Self-awareness. We talked about this idea of uh, we run an assessment tool called the five voices. It's one of the most elegant ways of understanding what it's like to be on the other side of you that I've ever discovered in my career. That changes your mindset because it holds up the mirror, but it also gives you a window to look out of. And when you've got both of those things, you can allow that confrontation to take place and go, well, if I keep thinking like that, I'm going to get this and that's not what I want. So I've got to upgrade that thinking. I really liked the Dave example where you've held up that mirror and said, yeah, but nobody likes you. So, you know, hopefully there's a little light bulb moment or a bit of a shift for Dave when he hears that. Are there any other or are there some sort of top um, red flags or watch outs or hold the mirror up moments that you see time and time and time again? Yeah, there's two big extremes, right? And then there's a continuum. So it's it could be anything along the way. And I would say, again, to everybody that we're talking to at this point in time, at some point in time, I've been this, you'll be this. This is not about the moment in time. It's about the journey. It's not about the photo. It's about the movie. And you can understand, and this is why movies are such a perfect metaphor for this, because the unfolding journey isn't easy, but it's worth it. So at one end, I would actually say that, and if you take mindset as the introduction, is that you actually either not that deep down or deep down, you actually don't believe you're worthy of, of advancement. And if you believe that, consciously or otherwise, you will run that narrative. So whatever that 
tape that is played, whatever that CD that is played, whatever that USB that is played, whatever that pirated download that is played, whatever that Spotify narrative is played, we just covered 30 years of technology right there. <laughs> I was going to say, do these people know what burning CDs looks yeah. like? <laughs> I do. I Well, and I hated it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so whatever that narrative is, we, we play into it, which is why the, the mindset shift is at the start and really important. And then at the other end, it picks up some of the some of the the conversation we had around entitlement because that's only one part of the things that would turn us off. You, arrogance will turn us off. You, mm. entitlement will turn us off. You, that sense in which you've got some sort of superiority complex, condescension, any lack of humility, anything at, at that end of the character spectrum that that says you just prickly it's it's you're just not that great to be with because here's the truth about leadership you might be an engineer or an accountant or a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon but the higher up you go in leadership the less technical you need to be and the more human you need to be in terms of your your leadership and i've said this in other podcasts because i love it so much my mate darren hill says if you want to be a better leader be a better human so at one end, we've got this deprecating, I'm not worthy sort of, sort of problem. And that requires us to lift that person up, give them some evidence of, what of what's possible. So we call them up, not call them out. And at this end, we've got those prickly character issues that just make you think to yourself, you know what, you are talented, but it's, you're just too hard work. Like just be easy to lead. The one that I think is harder to address because it's a self-awareness issue is obviously the arrogance. Those types of people you see that at work then in the, if we're thinking about that infinity loop in the teamwork section as well. And then on the flip side where you've got that person that has limiting self-beliefs and I, I've sat in, in so many interviews where I've seen that come out row where someone someone says, it's something like this and Em, you would have, you would have seen this, of you know, I'd, I'd love to get this job, but I'm just happy with whoever you think's right for the job. And that's, it's kind of, you get that window into, oh, they're not confident or actually they don't really think that they can do it. And, and there's that mindset, they might have the skills, they might be an awesome team player, but they've, they've, there's something there that kind of makes you as the, the recruiter go, oh, I'm a bit anxious because they're not confident. And I think, how do you help someone who's there on that end of the spectrum? How do you help them? What how do, do, you, how yeah. do you call them up? I like that terminology. Yeah, it's a beautiful one. My, one of my mentors, uh, Steve Cockrum, taught me that calling up is better than calling out. I think we've weaponized calling out. I'm actually going to tell you a story around what my dad taught me. And, uh, and this is actually almost explicitly related to whenever your next interview is. So here's the key when it comes to understanding what an interview is all about, at least from my perspective, right? I'm facing these two HR giants in this conversation. <laughs> so I may, uh, I may, if, if it all goes silent at the end of it, I didn't say the right thing, but this is, <laughs> I, we, we can edit yeah. <laughs> the magic of podcasting and hey, giant figuratively speaking, yeah, not literally. Right. Yeah. Both of us are really short. <laughs> So if the, if the conversation goes, well, and thank you, Rowan, for your time, you know, I didn't say anything of any value at this point. Really, uh, what an interview is or what Promotable is about at its most practical level is essentially matching the needs of the organisation to your skill set. 
the needs of the organization to your skill set. So if you are the person who wants to be the individual of choice, then you need to have with crystal clear clarity the needs of the organization. That is not always in, in the job description. And you need to have with an equal amount of conviction examples from your experience and your career as to how your experiences and skills match the uh, required skill sets of the organization and the job. And the way that my dad taught me to do this was to actually go into an interview with a series of questions written down. And those questions were all about asking the interviewer to be clear about the skills and then providing the interviewer with an example of your fit for those skills. And as I did that in the number of interviews I've, I've had in my life, and to be honest, it hasn't been that many. Um, I've, only, I've only had three jobs and the fourth time I had to do that, I worked for myself. So that interview was easy. <laughs> I asked my wife, do you think I can do this? She said, yeah, babe. And so I went for it. I thought that was pretty good. And so you actually go through and you literally tick off your questions and each of your questions is about communicating to the interviewer that you are a match for the skills required for this role. And as you do that, you will already be the person that stands out because very few people will look back up at an interviewer and when they say at the end of it, which I hope they do, do you have any more questions? You look back down at your your pad or your iPad or whatever it is, your device, and you go, let me just check. And you go through your questions and if you have more questions, ask them because that's the way you distinguish yourself. And can I just add to that because I love that example. We love when people in interviews come with their questions because it shows they're prepped and that they've actually done their, their research and thinking about the business. You, I love what you're saying, match, show how your skill set matches to the needs of the business and there's certainly the capability focus there. The other thing that you need to do in that preparation is how do you meet the cultural the cultural behaviours of that business? Because we de- definitely emphasise in recruitment, I'm capable because of this, this and this, and here's all my experience and my qualifications. But what are the examples if the business loves someone with hu- humility? If that's part of their – if humility is part of their culture – Okay, well, here's a time where I learnt through a mistake and failure because you show I'm actually humble enough to admit that I've failed and here's what happened. And if I can insert in there, in my experience, when someone's walking into the room for an interview, I'm already generally more than 90% comfortable that they can do the job from a skill set point of view. Yes. So really, the value in me spending time with them and investing that time is to find out about the culture fit, about things like Teamwork, humility. Yes, mindset. Correct. correct. L- yeah, well, we, we hire for skills and we fire for culture or chemistry. Mm. Yeah. It's, and as you actually go, and this is down the track, as your career progresses, by the time, and I think, Em, you're absolutely right, because all of my executive clients, they are a shoo-in from the abilities. They're not getting an interview because they're trying to work out if they can do the job. They're already the CFO of a $468 million business. What they are working out is, do you fit? That's right, because I've got multiple resumes that all have similar description. Yes, you're a CFO. I can see you can do the job. The only reason I want to spend time with you is fit. 
chemistry and culture mm. and it becomes really important. And I think you're absolutely right, Shell, because essentially you're using the same strategy. That's right. Questions and demonstrating an alignment with those values. And if you're a fake, you've got three to six months before you have your review and they make it all, yeah, <laughs> all official. And so mate, let's hope they connect the dots within that time. Yeah, definitely. If somebody is listening to this and either now or in the future thinking, I'm nailing the infinity loop, granted it's, you know, it's infinite, so it's a work in progress, but they're thinking, I reckon I'm pretty promotable based on this model or this measure, but they're not reaching their goals and maybe their goal is promotion or maybe it's something else. How would you respond to that person? I would start by working out where it's going off track. So again, a great way to understand how to move forward is to work out where you got lost. And you go back to that and then say, what is it that you need to be moving forward? So that's the first thing I do. The second thing is that I'd have a conversation in more detail, slow things down, it'd be off off campus, you know, out of hours that just go, just let's defrag here. Let's just listen. And I would want to be listening very, very carefully to each of those four stages. And it might be that they actually just don't know enough people. So I'd, I'd be looking for where in this point is our on-ramp to get back on track. Am I hearing unconscious deprecation and I'm not worthy? Am I seeing that, you know, perhaps they might be thinking they're working harder on their skills than they are on the job, but they're not, all right? Because I keep hearing references to binging on Netflix or whatever it it is and you're going, well, yeah, that, what, for a period of time, you might enjoy that, but that's not going to get you there. Is it the fact that they haven't crossed over that maturity step that says, actually, my skills are to make you better, not just me? Or is it just the fact that I don't know enough people? Mm, I uh, like to remind myself that nobody's a mind reader. And so you actually need to vocalise appropriately and at the right time what you want. And the more people in your network that you have to do that with, the more chance that one of them is going to say, well, I'm looking for what you're offering and I'm looking for it right now. And I love that of the what you're saying, Em, of the conversations. So what are the conversations we're having? Because this model relies on a good level of self-awareness. We all have blind spots. And if I think about, okay, well, what are the areas for me that are actually holding me back? Like what are the areas that – is it teamwork? Like am, am I the person on the team that's, you know, a bit of a dick and no one wants to t- chat to or whatever – how do you find that out? Like, because you don't know what you don't know unless you're getting uh, feedback. So what is the role of feedback, Rowan, and the types of conversations that our listeners should be having now to figure this out? Yeah, look, I may, this, this may be the bit that gets edited out, but I'll have to tell you right now. Um, so from a feedback perspective, it's essential. And I think we've actually got to become world-class at, life-giving feedback in all of the environments that we're in. That's what I would say as, as, as a goal. And I am not a fan of the 360 and I'm Ooh, not. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Yeah. I was going to say, we're going to run out of time, but Shell, you're going to have to talk about this over dinner. Because I love dinner. a good 360, yeah, we will. 
<laughs> now, I am not a fan of the 360. I love a good 360. All right, it's on. Oh. <laughs> also, I love a good debate. So we can just, you know, how much time do we have? Uh, Sorry, we don't have much time. We do don't we? have much time. So you're going to have to Here's just why. agree. Here's why. Because I don't think it's fair to position a person to receive feedback from people that may or may not have their best interests at at heart. So there is a danger in creating an environment where feedback is anonymous and therefore the person who is giving it is not accountable mm. for either their opinion and the impact that it has on a person. What is better than that is a leadership culture that understands how risky, hard and important it is to look at someone in the eye and say, Em, all of these areas are doing well and we need to have a hard conversation about this and what I would like to do is understand your perspective of it and help you see it another way and work out a way to move forward and that's what's missing in the context and culture of leadership. Do you know... I love what you've just said. Rant and over. you were speaking my you know, you just you're speaking to my soul by saying, and we need to have a hard conversation. Not that we do, because well, but, but we do sometimes. Sometimes we do. Yeah. But I but that actually the directness and the the courage it takes to say to someone, we actually we have to go there and we're, and we're gonna sit across the table from one one another, we're gonna and, and we're going to have that conversation in a way that's kind but clear. And I I just think feedback feedback is really difficult for the person giving the feedback but the person as most of us will be the receiver will be seeking out the feedback what are the things you need to do to receive feedback well (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness you said we're running out of time we are and i'm like oh my goodness this is like a whole extra episode but let's make time for it and this will be we'll wrap up after this how about that i think this is important i think the feedback's a two-sided coin and again it's uh, when was the last time anyone got taught how to do an apology well right people Mm -hmm. don't we don't get taught how to do apologies in the workplace so we we either don't won't or we talk about it at the water cooler, whatever that looks like. It's the private chat room in Zoom. Yeah, can you believe we're still here? Kind of, <laughs> or whatever it is that's going on. And so I think same principle. Are we being taught to do feedback well? And are we being taught to receive feedback well? And you will notice by just my posture, I believe in intentionality. I believe I don't mind the... Uh, the hard conversations. I don't love them when they happen to me, but they're always useful. Okay. Um, on Strengths Finder, number 34 for me is harmony. I'm not driven by being everybody's best friend, but I am driven by the intentionality about it. So here's what I would do. My coach, executive coach trainer taught me the best feedback model I've ever learned in my life. Here's what I loved. This is what I'd introduce. This is what I'd do differently. Tell me what you understand. Here's what I'd love. This is what I'd introduce. This is what I'd do differently. Tell me how you understand or what you understand. Receiving feedback can work in exactly the same way. M, tell me what you loved about what we did. Wow, thanks for asking that question. And then answer it. Don't be an Australian and say, well, it was great, but you went for too long (laughs) and that podcast is now two episodes. (laughs) What would you introduce next time I do this? What would you do differently? Can I just bounce off how I understood it? 
That is not hard. We just don't teach it and we don't teach it well. And on top of teaching it, I think practicing it has got to be in there as well because everything becomes easier with practice. When you hear yourself say it Mm. and you feel yourself feel it really important. Mm, Getting used to that sort of discomfort. I knew we would need, I knew we would get to the point where we're like, oh, it should be two episodes. So I think this is a sign we'll, we'll have to get you back because we probably just at some point need to do a part two. But we are at time, aren't we, Ian? We are, yeah. We're going to need to wrap it up. So we'll have to take the rest of the conversation <laughs> offline. And we lucky will. us. <laughs> lucky us because uh, we can do absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. We have jammed a huge That's amount right. of very rich uh, conversation into the last 45 minutes. So we really appreciate it. I've had a great time. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of all things millennial Money, career, business, cars, the whole Cover it, whatever it's Glenn all James fantastic. is doing next. <laughs> yeah, what's happening next? But if you're listening today, you love the episode, make sure that you, if you're on Apple, subscribe, rate, and review. We love your feedback. And Ro, how do we find how do people find you? The best place to get me is either my personal website, which is just rohandredge.com, R-O-H-A-N, dredge.com, or my business partner and I, Mike Hardy, fourleadersglobal.com. And you can email me, rowan at rohandredge.com. It's not complicated. My son did it the other day and he thought it was very cool that he got to write out his daddy's (laughs) name as an email address. There you go. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for hanging out. We will definitely do this again. And thanks, Em. Always love hanging out with you. Oh, always a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, Ray. Thank you. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Money, property, careers, health, small business. We love learning how to do all of these well so we can live our best life. That's why we've made podcasts focused on a variety of topics. Check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, Gen Z Money, and You To Me, You To You, You To Us, which is just about sexual and reproductive health. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.